When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Lowdown with Brave Mama. I am your host, Steph Thompson, and today's guest is an absolute gem. She has so many years and a wealth of experience in the health and fitness industry, but she also knows so much about pelvic organ prolapse. And you put those two together and you get Mish right. That's right, we are talking with Mish today all about pelvic health and fitness. Her journey in life itself is also inspiring. I am so in awe of her courage and bravery. Mish has some great stories to share and tell, and we hope by the end of this episode, you feel a little bit lighter or encouraged to be able to talk to your health professional about your pelvic organ prolapse. And today I have grabbed a cup of Madame Flavors Mint and Choc, which you all know is my new favorite because it's a rhubarb tea. It is non-caffeinated, which means I can drink it at all day, every day. All right, let's get on with the show. Hello, Mish. It's so lovely to have you. Hello, Steph. It's so lovely to be here. <laughs> nice that we both have a cup of tea ready to go. Um, let's kick off. Look, there are so many layers to Mish. She's the fitness educator, the writer, the speaker, award-winning fitness franchise. I mean, there's so much to you. And I know that you're also in the midst of launching Evolution. Let's, how does that come to be? Like, really, how did you get there? Well, um, how, your, your little one, how old's your little one, Stephanie? I've got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. Right, so they are learning to read, right? right? I used to be a primary school teacher and um, when children learn to read, it's really quite magical. It's like everything lines up and they go from pointing to pictures and, you know, and words to it. Just it, it feels like, have you experienced that yet? Are they on their way? Uh, probably more so in my teaching background, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's really, really magical. And so I've always loved that. And um, and when I transitioned into being a, a fitness professional um, and when I started to learn about how to teach women, I kind of was able to craft those moments too. So uh, with helping women. And then, you know, and now I'm working more with, because I can reach more women if I train fitness professionals. It's really exciting to almost, you know, do that again, but with another um, another group of people. So I'm glad you know, know that. And yeah. if anyone is 
listening, you know, when your child goes from non-reader to reader, it feels like it's overnight, but really it's just a coming together of a whole lot of skills that just line up and, you know, the light goes on. And I know, I, I feel like I do exactly the same thing, just the content's a little different. Yeah, different discipline. And it is, you're right, it is magical when not only for the person teaching it, but for the person receiving it, when you see their light bulb go, I get it, I get it, and they feel really good, that's what the magic is when you make others feel good, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously it's with the amount of that many hats you've had to wear, it's been a long journey, right? It obviously doesn't happen overnight. When did you first kind of get into, um, or for, say, from teaching to fitness? Um, it happened because, uh, okay, I have to clarify, if we went back to school and um, people said, you know, who's the most likely person to become a fitness professional or work in fitness, I would be at the bottom of that list. I never liked sport. I was, I didn't really like getting sweaty. I was a person who loved reading and writing and, and I came from a really sporty family too. So I was a normally and family joke um, in my own family about fitness. However, um, something extraordinary happened in my life. Um, so in a nutshell, I, and you can probably tell I'm not from Australia, I'm from New Zealand and I lived in England with my husband and I had my first daughter there. And when we moved to Melbourne, um, which is about 20 years ago, um, within a space of nine months, we bought a very derelict house that we did up, we moved in, I got pregnant. And when I was seven and a half months pregnant with our second baby, my husband found his soulmate and moved out and moved in with her and then I had a baby so all within the space of a year and I didn't have um very much support as you can imagine I knew a couple of people wow. but I, I was still at that if you've lived in a new place you know it takes a little while to make friends and yeah. so it was a really 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 tough time as you can imagine However, I had a friend who, I, she was a Kiwi, lived in London, was teaching with me there. She was coming back to live, um, for, you know, back for good to New Zealand. And Max was born then. He was about six weeks old. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm coming to stay with you. And so I went and picked her up from the airport and I said, how long are you staying with me? And she said, Marta, I know you're on your feet. And I have to tell you, Steph, like I can tell that story about what happened to me without shedding a tear, even though it's an emotional story. Yeah. But whenever I tell people that sentence, I still have that, that choke in the back of my throat because she, she did. She stayed with me, I think, about seven weeks. She yeah. put her whole life on hold. And every day she said, okay, what are we going to do for exercise? And... And that changed my life. I was able to get off antidepressants. Um, you know, I, I was given antidepressants, but I really think I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, but it wasn't so, I don't know, trauma. Yeah. Hasn't really talked about so much then as, you know, I think it's, it's much more, the terminology is much more accessible now. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and then so I had to work. Um, I was a single mum, and and so I went back teaching, but it was soul destroying. And so I told my mum, I'm going to become a fitness professional, and she was mortified. <laughs> um, so yeah, it has been a long journey, and it's kind of almost come full circle. Like I said, I've never really stopped being a teacher. Mm. I still love teaching, yeah. but my content is different. Wow, mm. your journey—I I had no idea it was that phenomenal. You just gave me goosebumps, <laughs> and all yeah, I just rode that roller coaster with you that entire time. And for people that obviously can't see, my jaw just dropped. I, that's a bombshell. I had no idea. And that is humongous. Go you for being where you are right now. Well, for a long time, it was my defining story. Yes. Um, and it's really nice now that it's it's not. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see my cat playing with a with a toy. <laughs> um, so hopefully the noise isn't too annoying. Um, how I got into women's health was almost another um, type of, you know, revelation. And that was, you know, so I, I quit teaching yes. and I put myself in that stage. My children were, you know, a toddler and a baby. And I went to, I took a long time. I took a year part time to become a fitness professional which you okay. a personal trainer which you can do you know in a few months but I took my time and and it was a really interesting experience because the um my classmates were all like 18 year old guys mostly oh. a few women but mostly young men and um they just had to roll out of bed you know and yeah. get there but they You're didn't do their mom. work yeah. and yet I'd like done three loads of washing put kids in daycare you know and 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 still, you know, did the bulk of the work when we did group group sessions. Um, but during that time, that year, I had this real, I don't know, belief that I had to look a certain way. So I started to really work out. I mean, exercise had, had come, uh, you know, as a real lifesaver for me. I went to the gym six days a week, um, you know, put my kids into the creche there and it was an absolute lifesaver for me without a doubt but I really stepped it up okay. and during that year and then the following couple of years when I actually was a you know body pump instructor and started my own business training specifically postnatal pregnant and postnatal yep. women yeah, yeah. that's when I went from not leaking not having any incontinence to having really really bad incontinence oh, and it was oh. the it was the idea of being on stage teaching body pump with the microphone and my crotch being at eye level to all the women in my class that I just thought I, I can't bear it. Like they're going to see my, 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 uh, you know, my pad, my panty liner had turned into a sanitary pad yes. and it, it wasn't going away. Oh, so I went to the doctor thinking I would I was 35 years old then thinking I was the youngest woman in the world mm. to experience incontinence I don't have the words for it mm. um and she sent me off to uh, Melbourne Royal Women's yeah. and she gave me um you know I saw a pelvic health physiotherapist or in that stage I were called um women's you know health. um women's health physiotherapist um and she 
she told me, she did an internal, and she said, um, you are on the verge of a prolapse. You need to stop what you're doing right now. Oh, and, and I said, well, what's a prolapse? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know what a prolapse was. <laughs> and I, I had been busy telling her how I was a personal trainer and I really specialised in working with moms and I really love my job, blah, 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 blah. And she was just, I could see, she was really disgusted with me. That you didn't and know I, what prolapse was. I didn't know what prolapse was. I was, in essence, damaging other women as I was damaging myself. And I said, well, what do I do with a prolapse? And yeah. she said, well, you have to have surgery. She just said it really matter of fact. And I'm like, well, I'm a single parent. I don't have any family or support here. And she said, you won't be able to lift anything for, um, you know, for six weeks. And I, I, I've got a baby and a toddler. I can't, I can't live like that. No, I can't do that. And so I went home and I got out my textbooks. Because remember, I like research and reading. And I looked at all my books that I'd learned my craft to become a fitness professional and pelvic floor wasn't even in the anatomy charts. Don't tell me. Oh, my gosh. Well, unfortunately, um, Steph, I've just done volunteer work for the last nearly two years reviewing Certificate 3 and 4 in fitness and not much has changed. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's really disappointing to hear that because I feel like I'm one sense we've got social media inertia in women's pelvic health improving slowly 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 but to hear that it's not in the literature you know that, that are teaching people about fitness and pelvic floor particularly to you know postnatal mums is astonishing wow well, it's that light has gone off for you isn't it yeah it's that light and it's that light that um you know, I'm getting damaged by the exercise that I've been told to do by a professional, and yet it's my fault. Yeah. And it and it's really not even the your personal trainer or your fitness professional, because I doubt that yeah. there's a personal trainer that goes out there to hurt people. I don't think that's no. you know the story no. either. It's just, you know, when I explain that they're education is based on research but all that research is based on young fit men we are in fact training women like small men but it is changing I mean I I sell at least one course every day thousands of fitness professionals have have bought my courses and you know and they're there is change. There has been a lot of change. Part of why I started the Women's Health and Fitness Summit too, which is a really big thing, um, was about changing that narrative between a fitness professional and an allied health professional. Like, so I'm a fitness professional, but she shamed me, the, the pelvic health yeah. physiotherapist. I felt so ashamed. I had double shame. I had shame that I'd done this to myself, but also I was doing it to other women. When we need fitness professionals it's not every i mean you know the life of going to a physiotherapist oh, gosh, if you yeah. can avoid one of those sessions and, and downgrade it to a to a you know a, a payment wise to a fitness oh, professional yeah. that would make a huge difference but you didn't so know really what you work together yeah but you didn't know what you didn't know how could you didn't even know what prolapse was it was not in your literacy it wasn't in anything that you were taught to tell people so there's a massive link missing in this chain right and then of course because yeah. mums do we've got mum guilt and I can imagine 
how you would have felt responsible for those women, even though you weren't responsible for them turning up to pump class and damaging their pelvic floor. They didn't know either. Yeah, but over the years and, you know, I was a personal trainer and started a fitness franchise and we won multiple awards and it was all because of our relationships uh, with allied health professionals, so with pelvic health physiotherapists, um, each of the franchises and starting that relationship of having women go and have their um, pelvic floor ultrasounded or just checked out even if they were you know asymptomatic um, and then being able to train them from that starting point uh, you know and and I devised a, a particular way to teach women which I'm you know um, sharing as much as I can yeah. uh, and again when I teach women that light bulb goes off that okay, I hear what my personal trainer or what my group fitness instructor is telling me what to do. This is what I need to do in order for it to be safe for my body. Because because the thing is, and this is my always my, I don't know, core essence, is that prolapse or incontinence or levator avulsion or all of these things, they very rarely kill women. You don't die of it, but you do die of inactivity or poor mental health, which is really impacted um, by movement. All chronic conditions are improved, including, you know, mental health is improved by exercise. So, you know, it's it is about keeping women active. Yes, I love that you just said that because, you know, quite often I have an erosion that people would say, well, if the, the muscle's torn off the bone on both sides, why bother even do, doing pelvic health? But they don't realise that it's that whole core in your body of all the other muscles that are still attached that need that firing. And I'm always now the first to say, because if I don't move, I don't move in my brain. And then if yeah. I don't move in my brain and I'm not continually moving forward, I'm living in a really horrible traumatic space. And yes, my prolapse won't kill me, but my mental health will. So I love that you just said that so beautifully because it's very, very true. It is. It is so true. And so, you know, for a long time, I think I was a little bit, I don't know, cross. And so I used to teach um, fitness professionals, I think, oozing my crossness (laughs) <laughs> the whole system but you know you attract a lot more bees to honey yeah so I write a lot of my education for fitness professionals imagining I was one of those young men that I went to PT school yeah. with mm. you know like it's not that not terrible people they don't want to do horrible things they want to do the right thing but if you make them feel like you know that shamed about it about their not knowing or not understanding or not even having the empathetic skills to um to converse about it or right ask the right questions then we're not going to get changed i'll just shut so, up and say yeah well, totally focus on totally. muscle men who want to bulk up because that's easy the path of least resistance right yeah but, you know, it's, I think it's down to do you want to keep your clients or not? Yeah. Because if they start leaking or their prolapse gets worse, they're not going to tell you. 
they're just going to say, oh, look, I can't afford it or life's got busy. I mean, it's easy to make your life busy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. With, with having children. But if it's working for you, you prioritize it. A hundred percent. And it's so even, it's hard to even say the word prolapse. It took me quite a long time um, to be able to say that word in front of my dad or, you know, because it's, there is that shame and stigma and taboo around it at such a young age. So I'm, can only assume at 35, if you were being assessed for potential prolapse, does that mean that, that something could have happened during your birthing experiences as well? Like what were your birthing experiences like? Um, so I think that my first birth um, was the closest I've ever been to death. Oh. Um, I gave birth in England I was induced on Friday morning and I was I delivered on Monday morning via Vontus and episiotomy. Um, and I can't remember a lot of it, but my husband at the time, yeah, uh, new husband now, um, <laughs> said that the doctor had his foot up on the bed, one foot to brace and pull my daughter out from me. Uh, they left part of the placenta in. So a few days later, I went back into shock and they had to take me back to hospital and um, and I refused to have, um, a, you know, a DNC. Yeah. I just could not have anybody going in my vagina. So they gave me a lot of antibiotics and I was able to pass the leftover placenta yeah, actually look like cooked pork. So <laughs> there's a bit of information you probably weren't expecting. But when the last piece came, I knew I was getting better. Okay. But yeah, I was I was really sick. So I was in England and my mum had said she's in New Zealand. Shall I come over? And I said, no, God, no, I'm fit and healthy. Women have babies all the time. No, no, come over when when I'm, you know, and we can go traveling and we can do a bit more. You know, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, on the Sunday, I rang her and said, can you come over? So she came and she was there Monday, which you know, oh, wow. was, yeah, uh, she, she flew. got off the phone she, and got on the plane. That's exactly <laughs> what, drove to Auckland, um, got on a plane, flew, you know, um, I think it's 14 hours, 16 hours. Go, um, And, yeah, and then my husband picked her up from the airport and they both picked me up from the hospital and we went home together. So I didn't even have time to go and make the bed. You know how if your oh, mum's yeah, yeah. You like to you like to put some fresh flowers out or something like that. Okay. You know, <laughs> there was nothing. It was yeah. So yeah, it was very very traumatic, and no one never no one ever talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it it took. I had to have therapy in order to get pregnant again. Okay. And then, of course, I had a very traumatic second birth because my husband wasn't there. Uh, oh, he, he was, yes. He was living with his girlfriend. You imagine all the lovely feelings he was having in new love, and I was looking like a spider with legs. Mm. You know? mm. um, and so my my best friend who lives here, she was the the birth mum. She came in with me, and I refused to have a vaginal birth. They said you'll be able to have this baby. The first baby was just 
because it was your first baby, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I God. said, I, I can't do it. I, I demand a cesarean. Yeah, and, and, and when Max was born, they said, there is no way you would have birthed him. He was huge. Okay. My husband, I'm only five foot two and a half. My husband was six foot three. My, my children were big and Max was just a big buff head. Like in my last seven <laughs> weeks of pregnancy, when I was in just in, um, you know, a very bad emotional space yeah and your I lost five kilos but my stomach kept growing so and it's just my son all over life could be going to you know to to hell in a, <laughs> in a handbag but he'll still be totally happy to have you know a big dinner <laughs> um yeah so so yeah it was um uh, and it's learning about birth trauma now um it's so I'd like to say I'm so grateful for people like yourself I know it is hard to say all these words but um hearing the stories of others Mm. enables you to say actually that wasn't right and they've just glossed over it but you know it's it's not right and so, yeah, I really commend you for being so brave to share your story. I absolutely laughed and cried many times reading your book. Oh, thank you. That's really kind of you to say, Mish. I selfishly, I when I first went to that author's retreat with Andrew Griffiths, I said, I just want to do a dear diary. I'm going to lock it up and I'm just going to throw it away so I can bloody move on with life because I didn't realise it was really you know, playing on my mind on a daily basis the way it was. Uh, and it wasn't until halfway through that author's academy, he said, okay, I want everyone to change their email signature to the title of their book. And I went, ah, shit, no, I'm not doing that because I don't want people to know I've got a broken vagina and um, <laughs> like my dad and my bank manager and all of this. And then he said, well, you need to own this you really need to know if you want to write the book or not. And I thought that hit me hard. I think I cried all night in the hotel room, but I was by myself. So it was good just to let it all out. I mean, we were four years down the track and I actually didn't know I was carrying that much grief from my from my birth to the extent that I was. And that was probably my first release. So it was amazing, amazingly cathartic. And so writing the book and sharing it was not only to help others, selfishly it was to help me and my family you know I know that my husband said to me um oh you took that lady off to Bali and you've brought my wife back you know that is just phenomenal when that can happen Mm, absolutely but you know it it will I think perhaps over time not necessarily be your defining narrative correct Correct. And I can say that with such conviction because in 27, 2007, I had cancer. And for a little while, that was my defining journey. And I think it took a lot, probably, um, I don't know, maybe a good five or six years or whatever afterwards before when I saw, when I met someone for the first time, I stopped telling them because it didn't define me anymore. And I think that would be the same with Brave Mama and my birthing stories that when I meet people, I don't need to say it anymore, you know, like 
look at all the other amazing things we're doing like this right now in this podcast is starting the positive conversations on how to make it better for our girls and their future generations, right? Absolutely. But that kind of, oh, my God, I remember when I was going through my divorce, you know, I think I told the post person, you know, like the shopkeepers, you know, like my husband just left me, you know, it was just, it couldn't, I couldn't not mm. tell that story. So it is a, you know, um, yeah, it, it, either, it either, you know, gets bottled up or it comes out yeah. unintentionally or it gets pulled out. But either way, that's the kind of, you know, then you can move on. It's your pivot yeah. point, isn't it? You just, oh, yeah. Yeah, we go that way. So tell us, um, look, I know in your family you've got your two beautiful boys and you've got some um, children that you inherited. Yeah, sorry, and you've got... Yes, so I've got Millie and Max um, who are 21 and um, 19 and I have two stepchildren too who are 25 and 23. It's actually a really good time to tell you. It's 25, 23, um, 21 and 19. Soon it'll all be out of kilter. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I remarried, um, you know, about 10 years ago and inherited um, a couple of more kids and we bought, bought a, a big house together and, um, yeah, co-parented and, and, and you know... <laughs> I know you're going to ask me, how did I manage all of that? But I have to say, I didn't have to bloody homeschool them. So, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, saving grace. <laughs> Let's talk women's health. Let's dive a bit deeper into what you're doing now. So you've created now, it's evolution is that correct in my saying that right that's right bit of a play on words you see love it is that like adam and eve yeah though yeah yeah it is like okay. feminine i like to say eve is a very feminine word as opposed to um necessarily having religious connotations yeah okay no i do i do like that so why did you why was it time to create evolution so um well it's a funny thing like some okay I'm gonna be really honest I have thought imagine if I get hit by a bus tomorrow mm -hmm. the red bus theory yep <laughs> someone did say I should change it up and say imagine if you won Tats Lotto but I don't ever take a lottery ticket out so I'm probably more likely to be hit by a tram probably than, <laughs> than when when Tats Lotto but I've you know, I've learned a lot of stuff and I've learned, I've learned how to, more importantly, teach mm -hmm. um, how to work with pelvic floor with movement and exercise. Yeah. It, it's not difficult. I've made it, I've been able to, over the years of teaching hundreds of women and now, you know, thousands of fitness professionals into a really like, you know, easy strategy. And I've just thought, I mean, I've been teaching as many fitness professionals as I can, but sometimes when the rubber hits the road, it's not necessarily wheeled out. If we've okay. got, you know, yeah. So my fear is if I get hit by a bus, all the stuff that I've learned dies with me. Yeah. So I feel like if, you know, evolution, it'll just be like all in one tiny, tidy spot. 
okay. that is just all my you know intellectual property and so you know it can support fitness professionals in the way that so it's really important for example for a fitness professional to know where you are in your cycle yes um, not just in even in your monthly cycle but in your cycle of life you know are you perimenopause and, and all of those things but have you ever been asked that question never exactly never, do you have any it's yeah. more things like, do you have an ankle injury? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. an ankle injury is really your biggest concern right at this moment. <laughs> do you have uh, low blood pressure? That's it. Yeah. Now, all of those things are important. However, um, if we, uh, if fitness professionals don't ask those questions, they're not going to get the answers. Mm. And I think, again, that's not because I don't want to ask. It's just when the rubber hits the road and they're in front of that client and perhaps they've never had a period themselves or never had a baby themselves or never been through menopause themselves, that it just was too uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, it's it, evolution is not only a self-paced course for women, it's also a tool that fitness professionals can use to go through the program with them. Okay. So on the journey. I'll, yeah. I'll do all the I'll do all the vagina talk because that's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's what I'm that's what I'm good at. But, you know, and get all that stuff out of the way. And then they can go back and work with their trainer and both be on the same page. Yeah. So that's my gift. That's what I want to do just in case that bus gets me. <laughs> well, hopefully you win the lotto ticket instead of that bus. Um, <laughs> have you found in your years of experience in, in working with even the fitness professionals, are there any major differences from working with women and men? Um, well, instantly I want to say, yes, of course there are. There's, you know, anatomical, there's physiological. But in essence, you, okay, when you distill things down, if you're unable to have connection or empathy, it doesn't matter what the gender is of that person, how they're lying, what anything about them, it's it's going to be a short-lived relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of and and that has really informed my, I don't know, my education through through teaching fitness professionals for a long time now is teaching them number one empathetic skills because we we think that we are naturally empathetic and and it is true uh, people um, who are attracted to caring services or personal services yes. um, you know of which obviously fitness is one of them they often do have a natural desire to help other people but it doesn't necessarily translate to being authentically empathetic and yeah. I bet you have experiences of like a, a personal trainer or a fitness instructor saying the most idiotic thing that you just want to like slap them around the chops. Yeah. Like, I what think the, what the hell is wrong with you saying that kind of shit to me? You know, you know, my favorite Mish is um, I can't remember the gender of the person now. I assume it was either a young female or a young man had said to me because I talked about prolapse and they said, oh, yeah. I haven't really heard of it much because it's not that common, hey. And I said, oh, <laughs> actually, 
it's one in two women that is that equates to 50% of half of our population. Pretty common. Yeah. And it's yeah. not normal, but it's pretty common and people just don't talk about it. And I'm pretty sure I've got a bit of an eye roll, like, oh, yeah, whatever, as if. <laughs> oh, my God, that's a sad moment. Totally. I think but, that's a lot. You know, it, it is. So, um, you know, your question to me is, is there a difference? Yeah. We have to be able to relate to people and see them as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's fantastic. And I think, and too, from even, there. yeah, and even more so in our conversations now about non-binary and how people are exploring different gender and, and it's as being something that is fluid, there hasn't been a more important time for that, right? So you hit the nail on the yeah. head. I love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel that there are any kind of barriers for women seeking support when, when it comes to their pelvic floor? In the fitness industry? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, without a doubt. And for those reasons that I have talked about is that one, um, they may not have been exposed to any education. They may have completed all their qualifications without that light bulb moment of understanding that that's research that's based on young men. Yes. Um, and while it, it, I'm not saying it doesn't work for women, it totally can, but, uh, you know, it has to be in context of what the individual is at and avoiding unnecessary injury. Um, so, you know, it might be the absence of um, women's health education, but then it, it, it might also be, like I said, that embarrassment to mm. talk about stuff down there I mean I get that all the time you know down there is a very <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah totally um you know so feeling uncomfortable about saying the word vagina or, or, or prolapse or I th you know I'd like to think it is changing but it depends on where what circles you run in I mean I I sell uh, I I think god hasn't every fitness professional in Australia done my course I've sold so many so you know but yeah it's shiny and new um so yeah it's interesting isn't it yeah when you look at it from that perspective because if people aren't even accessing the information then how are they ever going to teach about pelvic floor well it's not actually that hard it really mm. isn't that hard and and what I always say is the first thing you need to do is have a relationship with the pelvic health physiotherapist so that you can refer and find out what is actually wrong because you can't diagnose. You know, I have seen so many women who are all shapes and sizes, colours and creeds on the outside, but have all had a prolapse. There's no external factor yeah, that, um, you know, you can point it out because of what they look like in Lycra. You know, you know that can't can't happen um so absolutely having a relationship with um a pelvic health physiotherapist so that you can have that appropriate diagnostic and, and a really classic one is you know for fitness professionals learning about pelvic floor and then teaching it so much that you know for women who have hypertonic pelvic floor so when their pelvic floor is too tight mm -hmm. and they could remember they still might have incontinence when their pelvic floor is over tight yeah. so if they 
admit to leaking to their personal trainer and personal trainer gets oh I'm so excited because I know it's your pelvic floor and it's too weak you need to do lots more pelvic floor exercises well that can push it to vulvodynia or vaginismus or you know have painful sex for god's sake who wants that (laughs) yeah so um you know so it is diagnosis is absolutely imperative and then the second thing is just lump it in with everything else like you know you have not I'm sure that there's very few times that you have been taught by a fitness professional where they haven't said, oh, if your lower back's a bit dodgy today, do this. <laughs> or if your knees are a bit dodgy today, do this. Well, throw it in with that. Yeah. You don't have to make them all stand in the corner and say everyone with pelvic floor dysfunction, you're over in that corner. Just put it all together. You know, you, you, your lower back's a bit dodgy, your knees are a bit dodgy, your pelvic floor is feeling a bit dodgy. Here's your option. Generally, they're pretty much the same options. Yeah, I love that because I, I work with the exercise physiologist who is phenomenal and I have, I'm lucky that I have her living close by, is that she can just say to me, okay, I want you maybe try this exercise how does that feel? And you get that automatically feedback. Oh, no, I can feel definitely some downward pressure. Okay, I want you to lie flat on your back and do it that way. Oh, yeah, Yeah. okay, cool. And it just makes you still getting it done, but in a very, it's just modified in a way that's not uncomfortable. Yeah, and there's other other really simple ways in which it can be modified. So, for example, um, you know, you know that, you know, your symptoms are probably a lot less, in the morning because you've been lying down correct so exercising in the morning and resting and putting your feet up to rest your pelvic floor in the afternoon or you know so you know time of day is is really key and just using gravity as your friend yeah so rather than your foe so standing up we've got gravity all pushing through the pelvic floor sitting on a swiss ball is one way but also in a bridge position you know that's when you're on your back and your hips are pushed up to the ceiling you can do really tough arm shoulder work all of that and support the pelvic floor so yeah there's there's, there you go (laughs) There's actually lots of ways, lots of ways that um, fitness professionals can support. So I think, you know, when I teach fitness education, it is not so much this is prolapse, don't do this, don't do this. It's okay, I know how you work. Mm -hmm. This is how you can make it fit in because the more accessible it can be for, you know, my 18-year-old friend who's you know rolled out of bed and done his course in three months and is out training you know women and 50 percent of those are experiencing prolapse you, you know it's a recipe for disaster well potentially you know mm. potentially I think um it was funny during lockdown last year because I was going to weekly uh pelvic floor f- special um specializing in women's pelvic floor physio on reformer pilates reformer and then when we went into lockdown and we couldn't go anymore i said to my husband i need a reformer i can't do anything i really need one and um so we did and yes they're really expensive but i sold all the old baby items like the prams and the cots that we no longer needed because they're not happening and we purchased one obviously had to wait the three months whatever and it's so worth it because I can still do exercises even when I'm feeling quite symptomatic 
in the morning because it depends on the night before, obviously. I can still do something with my arms laying down. I can still do something on my back that is just keeping that body moving. Just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yes. That's that, that really plays into my point of, you know, when you know how to do it and it's not making you symptomatic, you will keep doing it. But if you were given exercises that was making you symptomatic, it, you know, uh, it, to me, we know the statistics around, um, you know, women experience incontinence, a third of all women, 50% of all women, you know, of postnatal women experiencing some sort of prolapse. Yes. Um, is it, um, you know, a coincidence that the biggest drop-off of exercise is, you know, postnatal women? You know, yes, they're busy, without a doubt they're busy, but if it's working for you, you make it. If it's not working for you, you don't. Yeah. You know, and it has just so many more benefits than, you know, having a beach body or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I can admit this now. I probably wouldn't have years ago. But um, before, like after my cancer treatment, I decided I just wanted to run because I just had that picture of running out at the cancer ward. And I became a triathlete. So the sport having that three discipline kept me going and it kept my mind very active and it was actually very good for me at the time. Um, but I didn't know anything about pelvic floor. My God, I probably could have been doing some damage and wouldn't have even known at the time. But without it, I wasn't very well. So when I got pregnant, I thought, okay, that's great. I'll have this baby. I'll get back running down at the beach with my jogger pram that I'd purchased <laughs> And life will be sweet. I'll put my lacquer on and I'll go and run and then I'll have coffee with the rest of the mums at the beach. Life looks pretty good down there. Yeah. And then when that didn't happen for me, I couldn't even walk, let alone push my pram. It was really a shitty time where exercise really could have helped. So there's still moments now where I think, oh, God, I just wish I could go for a run. I'd love mm. just the endorphin hit to my brain mm. to go mm. for a run and run away from screaming children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, without, a, without a doubt. Um, yeah, the, that is really tough. And you, you're not the only woman who misses running, you know, mm. and it's often a real motivator, but, um, the, but the impact on pelvic floor is a, something they have to weigh up. Yes. To, to whether how much do they really love it because, you know, and, and then it's about, I think, being creative. And this is where a good fitness professional can really help you because, you know, doing a hill walk, for example, much easier on your pelvic floor can so um, get that heart rate up. Get you just the sweat on. Get the sweat on. Yeah, totally. And you know, you can leave your children at the bottom of the, of the hill. You know, <laughs> that's your motivation. Chase <laughs> me. <laughs> get some energy out too. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Yeah. And it's just, um, yeah, it can be Finding hard to know when to do the right thing. So, does evolution is that for? the general public consumers or is it only for health professionals who are working with the general public 
So there's two. Well, there's one okay. really. It's it's one course, but there are extra modules for a fitness professional. So oh, if they yes. were to work with the clients, just like, well, here's your kind of PT hat on so that they could support. Because the best um, online course in the world is nothing if if women, if people don't finish it. Mm-hmm. So doing it with, you know, um, with a trainer who you trust, I think has has a lot of benefit. And I talk about um, in my course, the wisdom through the ages. So that pregnancy, that postnatal, that perimenopause and that menopause time. Now, you know, you've already said you don't want to have children anymore. But my belief is, is that even if or, you know, you don't have a vagina or, you know, there's all these different options. If you identify as a woman, um, this, uh, and of course, men could do it too, but for um, not talking about fitness professionals, but just, you know, general public, for women to do this course, I believe this wisdom is is missing. So it's the wisdom that you can give to your daughters or to your friends. You know, so it's the stuff that we should all know, but has been squeezed out, um, been squeezed out of our, of our, you know, patriarchal society, um, basically. So, you know, I do, you know, it's called the revolution in women's wellness because it, it is about the, the, the missing stuff. I mean, I, I have in their books, I, I, I feature your book as well. So oh, that whole, oh, you, you. if you you know, want to know more about this, here's a rabbit warren hole, you know, here's the place to go and find, find out more. Um, But, you know, it is all about, I think, learning these skills, not just for us, but for the other women around us. Yes, I did. um, Can we talk about menopause for a little bit? I I feel like I'm probably... I am perimenopausal at 42 and I knew that that could be a potential because of the chemotherapy, which is fine. How does women in that perimenopausal and menopause, does it shift the way they can train? Does it change anything? Totally. Oh my God. Totally. Tell us how. (laughs) Well, there's two major hormonal changes. Um, One is the, the key one is estrogen. So if you are perimenopause now, you have got this golden opportunity. So menopause being, you know, you're menopausal when you've had one full year without a a period. Yep. Um, In this time you are now to that time one year after um, your last period is your making hay while sunshine's moment for bone strength because Uh the loss of estrogen... Um, really impacts on on bone density and and your ability to make bone if you have been um, a dieter a cereal food restrictor which I'm sure you um, see in your industry a lot no doubt yeah, you're, it, it really impacts on your bone density. So, okay. you know, that means that in your um, menopause and postmenopause years, um, that difference between having a fall and getting up or having a fall and breaking a hip uh-huh. you know, 
It's, okay. it's massive. So estrogen is, is really um, quite key. And, and this time is really important for, you know, so resistance training. So, it, you know, and just because you have a pelvic floor injury, there are ways in which you can, um, you know, do strength training if you have the right person to help you, I think, yes. you know. Um, but, you know, it, it is really key. And then the other one is cortisol. So one of the major changes for women going through perimenopause is they eat the same thing, they do the same thing, they start getting fat. And that mm -hmm. fat is around the middle. Yeah, yeah, I and hear that a lot. A lot of yeah. yeah, a lot of it is that cortisol because you have to think what else is happening in your life. Now, you, you're going through, um, you know, menopause if you're perimenopause now, but it could go for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think we forget, but when you went from being a child to being, you know, an adult, that's adolescence or puberty, that wasn't a year or two. Yeah, it's a that was, you know, that was seven or eight years yeah. from, you know, first of all, you got breasts. And then, you know, I remember my hips one day just like hitting everything. You know, I didn't have this <laughs> before. And then one day I had them. You know, so some changes are really quick. But then other times I remember looking at my kind of, you know, shapely body, but still wanting to play with my dolls. You know, like, so there's all these different changes and they ebb and flow and they take time. So we have to remember menopause is like that too. Okay. Some changes are going to be quick and some are going to be longer. And, and then you've got this emotional and finding your place in the world is also um, like, I don't know, do you remember, I think for me it was like, going to high school for the first time thinking, oh, I don't know how to be in this world. Yeah. And for a woman, it's a bit like that too. Oh, how am I supposed to be in this world, you know, when I'm not of that reproductive, you know, and, and certainly, you know, I'm 51 now and I you definitely remember the time when um, I stopped, I started to become invisible. Now, one thing, it's great. I don't have so much sexual harassment, um, but also being in, invisible is not very nice either. Um, people make you very assumptions. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, so it's kind of, where do I fit? I thought I was young and sexy. Um, and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I look more like my mother now than <laughs> I... <laughs> Um, so you know it is about finding your yes. your place in the world but yeah it so so menopause is um and I think if we don't look at those sort of changes but if we're going through menopause um through so the average age is around 52 yep. often at that age your children are teenagers mm -hmm. so you're going through menopause they're going through adolescence your parents might be going elderly. through, yep. yeah, elderly, might be caring duties. Yeah. Um, your work is often, you've gone back to work, you know, you've kind of, you know, gone further in your career, yeah. but still doing the bulk of the home duties that's carried on. It hasn't really changed. So, so it is all about that impact as well. So if, if you're so totally all connected, and if you're, yeah. If you're doing all those things, then cortisol is going to be really high. So training is not about smashing. 
training is about restorative. Certainly, it's certainly about bone strength, but it could be a bit more about yoga or doing um, more restorative type to get that cortisol down, those managing stress, which, you know, will impact on, on the other parts of your physical health, including how your body responds to training. I just want to go on that. I feel like you've just connected the dots for me. Did you see when my light bulbs go off? And I was like, oh, my God, yes, 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 oh, my God. And then you look back and you think, oh, my poor mom. She, you know, or, or when, even when someone who you know in that um, age demographic goes through uh, either a, a nervous breakdown or a mental breakdown or just mental exhaustion, think oh yeah it always gets passed off as oh they're just menopausal they're just being bitchy right that's the that's the language that we don't that we've used and we're not respecting women but when you kind of put it like that like oh gosh well no wonder (laughs) yeah and and um and also for for women you know like so they start putting on weight and they don't connect the dots, but they go back to what has always worked for them. So mm. that's restricting calories and working harder at the gym. Yeah. No. Which is does the exact opposite. So training implications are are completely changed. Mm. And and your, you know, for fitness professionals, I tell them your client might come to you saying, I've got to, you know, I'm putting on this weight, I've got to, you yeah. know, but instead maybe there needs to be a sleep challenge or a you know walking roles or being in nature or um you know addressing addressing these other parts because if you train someone just on you know one thing it's well remember what I said before about it it having that connection and empathy and seeing that person as an individual but in order for you for you to see them as an individual, you need to ask more questions than do you have an ankle injury or mm-hmm. is your blood pressure high? It's like, tell me about, you know, how, how does your life run? I love that. And it's one of my husband's favourite sayings, you have to train smarter, not harder. Totally. It makes totally. sense to me. Oh, my gosh. I know that we have kind of gone a bit off track, but I love this and I know that our listeners will certainly, this is valuable. This is gold, Mish, really. <laughs> Especially with lucky I wasn't hit by a bus before this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I think even if a portion of this is covered in your course, and of course it's going to be worth checking out. um, How do, how do, I mean, I know I just mentioned my husband and we've talked about it quite extensively, but how do our partners come into the conversation when it comes to women's pelvic health? How do we... Because we invite them into the delivery room, right? We say, come and have this baby with me with no literature and no information for dads. But then the conversation stops. Like, then there's nothing else. It's like, well, don't come with me on this pelvic organ prolapse assessment journey. You just do what you do and I'll, I'll look after me. And, and obviously at some point when sex comes into it, there has to be a discussion around prolapse and sex. You can't just kind of pretend. Some women, maybe not, depends on the grade. But how do we have these conversations with men in a helpful way to us? 
Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I think I think you touched on it before when, you know, you owned your own injury when you got to that point of owning it. And so it's a really personal journey because it's almost like you have to be okay to then share this most intimate detail with someone who you generally share intimate things with but this is this is way different this is way different um so you know i would i would say that it has to if that is your goal to have to return to that intimacy with your partner or have them fully support you then perhaps you might need support to get to that point where you know, you're okay to talk about it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's so difficult. There's so much shame wrapped up in yeah, really. shame in our bodies, shame and failure, shame and, you know, <laughs> of everything. And even though we are intelligent women, we know it's not our fault and it's, you know, we can rationalise it out. But there needs to be that deeper work done, which, you know, is that dealing with the trauma um, and dealing with the shame. Yeah, I think I did. I'm just going to jump back two seconds there because I'm trying really hard to consciously. I said, I think I asked you about inviting husbands into the conversation and I meant to say partners. So I apologize to people listening because it's. It's whoever your partner is, whoever your trusted circle is. If it's like you in your early days, it was your friend who come to live with you. It doesn't have to be husband. It's just the default language I'm trying hard to shift. So sorry, but yeah, it's um, it's it's likewise when um, I think you probably did read that story in the book about the time I pooed myself, and it took me two days and a lot of wine to be able to share that with my husband and. I thought he would have a little giggle, and, and but he didn't. He looked at me very seriously and was like, oh, Steph, I'm so sorry. And then, then I was allowed to cry about it because I thought, actually, yeah, that's not funny. It is really bad that that happened. And, like, you can prove yourself and not even know about it is horrifying. Then to try and tell someone that who you live with every day, you share the same bed, you you've, you made these beautiful children, you feel like you couldn't get any more intimate, I had to tell him and I'm lucky that he received that in a way that I needed that support, you know. He responded really empathetically. Yes, yes. I think the, the challenge can be is if you don't have that empathetic um support from your partner Mm. um and and in which case do you know what that's why girlfriends were invented yeah 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 that's true I lost I I very sadly lost my best friend two years ago to motor neuron disease and my husband sorry yeah I am but I'm I want to keep talking about her openly in in her honor because my husband has become my default bestie (laughs) the poor guy what I would have picked up the phone and said, Sean, I shit my pants or whatever a best friend <laughs> would have done. And then we we would have had a laugh because that's you have a cup of tea and a laugh and that's what you do and you move on. He's become that default person and you think, oh, God, have I overstepped the line or whatever. But, uh, yeah, lucky he's so amazing. I hope he listens to this episode because I probably don't tell him enough. He's so amazing. (laughs) Oh, look, and I do. I think it's 
it's hard to have those conversations with our loved ones when we probably couldn't, can't even have those conversations with ourselves, you know, to mm. even say that to yourself is, um, yeah, it's one thing, isn't it? But we've got to work on it. Absolutely. To get there. So do you think, um, just out of curiosity, when do you think is a good and reasonable time to be talking to our daughters? and our sons about their, their own pelvic floor. <laughs> well, I, 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 as you can probably imagine, um, I love this kind of talk. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got a couple of funny stories <laughs> that, you know, like my kids talking about pelvic floor, things like prolapse have been like salt and pepper on the dining room table. They are... You know, <laughs> so uh, once one time my son, um, you know, I was a personal trainer. I must have picked him up from school or something and he was in the car with me. He must have been about nine mm -hmm. and someone had called me to, you know, oh, yeah. talk, talk to me about you know my services and for me to train them and and she had started to um you know tell me her story so because I was driving I said I was on speakerphone because I'd said you know given my mm -hmm. son that don't say a word because I've I, you know <laughs> just be quiet you know um and then so I did this which is you know get a pen and paper I need you to take notes because I won't remember all these things and in his childish boy writing of eight years old it said you know Mary 35 stage two prolapse you know wow bless him <laughs> but if you ask them now they're like they're like yeah mum's always talking about it but then uh, I want to tell you this other story so I've always been really really open about bodily functions <clears throat> but it did bite me on the bum be because when my son was about 14 he loved telling me about his wanking and oh. I was just like how much information I'm your mother and he's just he you know he didn't make that connection so I thought Do you know I really should have toned it down a little bit when I when he was growing up because I have unleashed the crack in here <laughs> <laughs> I can I was not expecting that I love your bombshells Mish that is amazing because I am in that pre-phase of thinking how much do I tell my kids when do I tell my kids and how do I do it without them going, eh, yuck, mum. But I never would have expected that the kids will come back and do that. <laughs> oh, my favourite time was picking them up from their fathers because you got them trapped in the car. Yeah. And that would be the time when I would give the, the talk of life, you know, yes. um, and relish every moment and they'd be squirming and you know, get me out of here. But they were trapped with me. We talked about yeah. porn a lot, you know, like, you know, if I, because I caught each of them with porn. So, you know, able to have that conversation. So the car I found, find, you really? know, having them trapped in the car in was. All, um, <laughs> in all serious, no, I know it sounds like we're giggling and having fun, but for parents to have conversations with their children about pornography and consent is hot topic these days. I think it's great that people can say, look, this isn't 
it's you know what depending on what it is of course but and how women can say no that you you don't mm. have to be in a porn film when you're uh having your first sexual relation with a partner and they can do whatever they like to you like it doesn't have to be that way it's not real so yeah I know we we had a giggle but it, it's actually probably good that you could talk to your kids about porn because my god in my generation we would it like it didn't exist Porn did not exist. No, 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 no. It's not real. You know, even though it did, you were never allowed to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I remember feeling, oh, just mortified when, um, you know, my my daughter had Googled something and I went into the history. You know, she wasn't, she was only a girl. She just obviously wasn't expecting that. And I just, oh, I felt really sick. I felt like I had... Um, not protected her and you know and just taken away innocence and yeah and I think she must have been about oh she was quite young maybe seven eight nine that kind of age yeah sure. so it was just a horrible horrible feeling and but it was but then when my son oh my god he was you know um there were lots of conversations about it then um and you know so once I got over it it was just like okay well we've got to talk about this and so you know it has to be part of the conversation so yeah I just try and treat everything like that but I have to say you know my my daughter she's 21 she's so switched on about um consent and she's a great feminist and and yeah my son is really respectful as well um all my all my boys are um so feminist lovers that's what you need feminists and feminist lovers because that's yeah but I tell you the the, they were both all horrible don't get me wrong they (laughs) didn't go from childhood to adulthood without giving me like no stress it was you know no 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 I'm like la 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 they go from yeah, five. Yeah. Just, just know there'll come a time when it's just a white knuckle ride, but it but it does move through. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that. So tell us what would be your what's your big wish for this health space and in particular women's health with evolution? What's your big hope? Um just that more people can access information that will change their lives you know I want to turn on more of those magic moments where the light bulbs go on you go oh I get it I'm not to blame that um, I've been teaching women how to exercise incorrectly or I have been taught incorrectly how to exercise for women I'm not to blame but now here's real practical you know, that I'm going to keep for my own yes. and share with other women in my life. And I can and, that change. Yeah. And I, I, one of the reasons why I want to have evolution coaches is I, I don't have a burning desire to be an internet superstar or to um, be doing Facebook. I, I just, you know, but if I can create a product that allows a whole lot of superstars yeah that that is what I would like what a beautiful thing well done I just um 
If anyone's listening today and they would like to connect with you or find out more about your programs, where can they find you, Mish? Well, um, my website is mishwright.com, pretty easy. Um, and from there, um, yeah, I'm, look, my my Facebook is my own person, so, um, but I do love Instagram. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn, and it's all Mishfit. So Mishfit, M-I-S-H-F-I-T dot com is, is my, or Mishfit is my education arm. Yes. Um, and Mishwright and Evolution are my, you know, my other, my other kind of, um websites and whatnot yeah there's lots of places we can find you but of course we will pop all of those direct links in the show notes i can't thank you enough it's been such a delight to chat with you i've learned so much i've loved and laughed so much too you're a lot of fun and i hope we can um maybe chat again someday and you know i actually think i'm going to look at this evolution for myself i did say to my husband once this season one is wrapped up I'm taking time off because all of these amazing programs I'm hearing about, I'm like, oh, I want to do that and I want to do that. But I don't just want to buy them and then they sit on my internet. I actually want to buy them and do them so that, mm. you know, can see a difference. So thank you so much for your time today. I've loved talking with you and, uh, yeah. I've loved it too. It's great. Keep fighting the good fight, my friend. <laughs> yeah. This world needs more women, like Mish Wright. She's inspiring, she's dedicated, and she's here to help us, all the women in this pelvic health space. Bravo. Now, I know for those listeners who are interested in contacting Mish, there will be links in the show notes where you can reach out directly, and her Evolution program is just doing its final tweaks now, and she has let me know that once it is launched, we will be given a special Brave Mama discount code, and we'll be sure to share that with you as well. With just two episodes left of season one, next week we'll be talking with another fitness health professional who's teamed up with a women's health physiotherapist to create an app for pregnant women. The point of difference with this app is that they developed this app while they were pregnant, so it actually takes you on that journey for nine months. It walks with you step by step. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. So make sure you tune in next week. And remember, you can always leave a review over on iTunes. Just leave those stars or you can write a review because your feedback is so important and helps us to create an even better season two. Until then, bye for now. Mama.